Attention all shiver seekers. This is The Dark Oak, the weekly thrill and chill inducing podcast for both true crime junkies and casual mystery fans. We are your hosts, Stephanie and Cynthia. And every Wednesday we will present to you a true tale of the supernatural, the macabre, criminal minds, cryptids, the unexplained, and the downright spooky. We will be sure to throw in some real-time reactions, including gasps and a few giggles as we explore the hair-raising world around us. Head to our webpage, thedarkoak.com, to learn more about us and find our podcasts wherever you like to listen. The Dark Oak is waiting. Seekers, are you ready to follow us into the vanishing unknown? I'm Cynthia. Ooh, and I am Stephanie. You have found the dark oak. Yeah. Stephanie, I've got quite an interesting story for you today. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Sneha and Philip. Okay. So Sneha and Philip was born on September 7th, 1969, and she was born in the Indian state of Kerala and moved with her parents to upstate New York when she was a child. When she was older, she graduated from John Hopkins University and decided to pursue a career in medicine. So she enrolled in the Chicago School of Medicine in 1995, and it was there that she met Ron Lieberman, a fellow medical student who was just a year behind her. And the two began dating, and Sneha was so smitten that she actually decided to take a year off of her studies and spend it traveling around Italy so that she could graduate at the same, same time as Rob. Oh, my gosh. I know. It sounds nice. It sounds really nice, right? <laughs> like, oh, serious. I'll just kind of just take a year to travel around Italy. Yeah. Get it, girl. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Well, so after they both graduated, they moved to New York City where they both began medical internships. Now, Ron was at Jacoby Medical Center, and Sneha worked at Cabrini Medical Center. The couple ended up marrying in May 2000 in a beautiful ceremony, where they combined both their Jewish and Indian Christian elements to honor both of their faiths. And after they were married, they moved to an apartment in Battery Park City, which was just a couple of blocks from the World Trade Center. Okay. All right. So we're going to September 10th, 2001. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know where we are yeah, in history. Yeah, I'm prepared. All right. So on this day, 31-year-old Sneha had the day off of work. And according to Ron, who left for work at around 11 o'clock that morning, Sneha was planning on spending the day doing some chores around the apartment because the couple was planning on having her cousin over for dinner just a couple nights later. So she was just going to clean the house and 
Make it presentable. You know how that I goes. relate so much to this. If I'm having people over, I have to start like a week in advance. It's a process. <laughs> it's a process, which my my family seems to thwart every time. <laughs> They're literally destroying it as I'm cleaning. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's point. I literally only ever clean when my kids are not home because it's like, why bother? I saw this meme. It said, why, why do I clean the house when people continue to live here? <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Every mother can attest to that. Oh, and father. And father. Yes. <laughs> but at least in my experience, it's the mother who's most bothered by it. That's most bothered by it. I think that's probably a true statement. I think both can contribute to the household, but I think the uh, the wife is normally the yes. one that sees the piles of things. <laughs> we have the best eyesight when it comes to that. Yeah, fair. For sure. All right. So Sneha uh, stayed home, cleaned the apartment. Uh, she repotted some new orchids that she just had delivered from Hawaii. Sounds fancy, right? Oh, I got to look into that. I know. I'm a plant lady. And when I heard about her Hawaiian orchids, I got very excited. I want to look at pictures of Hawaiian orchids. Are they different than our regular orchids? I would assume because I have gone orchid shopping before, like online. And there are so many varieties. And like some literally look like monkeys. Some look like birds. Some look like angels i mean there are some really fancy orchids so i could only assume to have these shipped from literally like across you know across the continent incredible yeah they must have been pretty pretty fancy orchids i don't know that i have enough of a green thumb to trust myself to have exotic orchids from hawaii but i love that she was yes (laughs) we will live vicariously yeah way to go snail yes (laughs) okay so she repotted them She gave them a good water, and then she left the plants in the bathtub so that the water could drain out of them, okay? At around 2 p.m. that afternoon, she sent her mother an instant message, and this instant message turned into, like, a two-hour chat where her and her mom just were going back and forth on the computer about just everything and nothing. Sweet. Yeah. And during this chat, Different things came up, including um, a recent night out that Sneha and Ron had just shared, and then what their upcoming plans for the week were. And then also during this conversation, Sneha mentioned that she was planning to visit the Windows of the World restaurant. And this is a restaurant that was located on top of the North Tower of the World Trade Center. And Sneha wanted to go there because a friend of hers was going to be getting married there the next spring. Now, Sneha, during this conversation, didn't say specifically when she was planning on going to this restaurant. And at the time, her mother interpreted it that it was just something she was going to be doing casually in the upcoming weeks or months. It was just something she wanted to do. But looking back in hindsight, Sneha's mother wondered if perhaps she had decided to go sometime in the next couple of days. Oh, no. Yeah. So at about 4 p.m., Uh, Sneha signed off the computer. She left the apartment, dropped off some clothes at the dry cleaners before heading over to a store called Century 21. Now, here in Florida, Century 21 is like a real estate company. Yeah. But I guess uh, in New York, Century 21 is this really big store where you can get like designer clothing, like really high end designer clothing at a really discounted price. Okay. So... Shortly after 6 p.m., Sneha used an American Express card that she shared with Ron to buy lingerie, a dress, pantyhose, and bed linens. And then after this purchase, she visited the store's annex where she bought three pairs of shoes. 
Okay, this is like an ideal day. I know. FYI. <laughs> Fabulous. I mean, I want to just tinker with my plants and then I have a long conversation just via text whenever I get to it. And then I just want to go shopping for all things for me. I know. Just, <laughs> I, I feel you. This would be a beautiful day. Absolutely. Beautiful day. Um, this store, so just so you know, like where the store and where Sneha, Sneha's apartment is, like very, very close to the World Trade Center. So the store, Century 21, is only a couple of blocks from Sneha's apartment. But in between the store and the apartment was the World Trade Center. So that's how close she wow. was. She's like right there. Wow. Yes. Now, the last confirmed record of Sneha anywhere was at this Century 21 store. Okay. okay. Last confirmed record. So that evening after his shift at the hospital, Ron came home to the apartment and he didn't get home till after midnight, but Sneha wasn't home. Now, this didn't actually ring any alarm bells for Ron because he said he just assumed that she'd stayed out late or possibly was even staying the night with a friend. So apparently this was kind of a thing she did. She liked to go out, have a good time, and it was not unusual for her to stay out either super late or just not come home at all. I don't know. It's New York City. I feel like they just play by different rules, too. <laughs> like, I mean, here, I don't know if any of our listeners know. I mean, Cynthia and I live in a pretty, like, rural, small-ish town. And they, like, roll up the streets. Oh, for sure. Like, we're done. Everything's closing at, like, 9 o'clock. You like, can't even yeah, get fast food. Yeah. Like after a certain like go home. Yeah. <laughs> but having visited several large cities, I mean, I know it's you know, things are 24 hours. And so I don't think it's as unusual to maybe have some night late, especially if you don't have work the next day, if you know, you're just having a good time. Right. The thing that does uh baffle me a little bit is just the fact that she would just not come home and maybe not let Ron know that she wasn't gonna be coming home. But um, he said that was actually a little unusual. So it wasn't unusual for her not to come home. But the fact that she didn't call him. And I can see that. Just up. like a heads up. Yeah. He said normally or a friend she... didn't call. Right. Or something. Right. And be like, hey, she's had a few drinks. Yes. You know, something yes. like that. Um, so he said that was a little out of the ordinary. But not something that was so unusual that he like went into panic mode. He just kind of made a mental note for himself that when he saw her he was going to be like hey next time can you call me please yeah okay so ron had an early meeting the next morning so he decided to just go ahead and go to bed now according to phone records at 4 a.m someone called ron's cell phone from ron and sneha's apartment what yes okay ron says he has no memory of making this phone call but he said the only thing he could figure was that maybe he woke up in the middle of the night and used the apartment line to check his cell phone voicemails, thinking that maybe Sneha might have called him and left him a message. So 2001, I did I even have a cell phone? I did. But like, it wasn't like it is today where it's like glued to your hip. You do everything. It wasn't a smartphone. It wasn't I guess any of that's that. true. It's not a smartphone. It's not like right on the bed stand. It's something you use in case of emergencies. It's not right. what it is today. That's fair. And I do remember having to actually call. Like it wasn't like you just pressed a button and your voicemails popped up. Or maybe it was. But I do remember like calling my number to listen to voicemails. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. And also 
just um even okay first of all landlines right right <laughs> first of all yeah. landline and then i'm thinking the thing attached to it is your it's like an answering machine. an answering yeah. machine mm-hmm. you know which are non-existent right. at this point too so it would be you know you're more in this habit of like listening to an answering machine or more in the habit of doing something to call into your voicemail right like it's not a one-step process as easy as it is now right yeah so very different time very different like you know yeah i can see that technology i can see that now yes but again ron says he has no memory of doing this that's just the only thing he can deduce may have happened okay so that morning the next morning september 11th 2001 ron got up for work at around 6 30 and sneha had still not come home and at this point, he was really kind of getting irritated with her, but still not completely concerned. Irritated, not concerned. Apparently, on nights that Sneha did stay out, she would tend to come back to the apartment between the 7 and 9 o'clock hour. So, again, the fact that she wasn't home at 6.30 wasn't entirely unusual. So, Ron went to his meeting at the hospital that started at 8 a.m., and when it ended, which was around 9 he saw a group of his co-workers huddled around a TV. So he went over to see what was going on. And that's when he learned that a plane had struck the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Ugh. I I remember, I remember when I found out what had happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching kind of the aftermath um, unravel on the TV screen. I can't imagine what that felt like to be in the city. Right. Hearing what had happened. I could I could take you to the place where I was sitting when it exactly. happened. Like I could remember the people who was like it's just one of those moments that like if you lived through it, you remember where it's you a were. formative yes. memory. I mean, you don't forget. Mm-hmm. And wow, I mean, to know that that happened, mm-hmm. you know, like feet from you, right? You know, I mean, in their case, right, their apartment building is right there. Literally, I mean, it's in their neighborhood. To hear that that's happened must have just been over the top right so just to like paint a a picture for those of you who may not have um been alive when this happened or or so young that you don't age myself (laughs) it was 22 years ago i know it 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 doesn't feel like that right no it doesn't it feels like yeah no it doesn't um from the moment this first plane hit complete chaos cell phone towers were destroyed The phone lines that were still working were overloaded by the thousands of people who were making calls for help or to check in on their loved ones. The air was filled with ash. Vehicles were stopped on the streets. If you were anywhere near the vicinity to get home or to get anywhere from that, for that matter, just felt impossible because debris and literally hundreds, thousands of people. So you know, I was 19 when it happened and terror, terror. It was terror. terrifying in Orlando. I'm sitting in an office building in Orlando. Well, I remember and... even here, the phones didn't work. Yeah, it was yeah. just terrifying. Yeah. And then a second plane hits and we realized, oh, no, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't an accident. Yeah. And then yeah. on a personal note, my father was a chaplain for the federal government government at the time. Oh. And he actually was deployed up there two weeks after the attack. It was still burning. Yeah, I, I remember um, hearing, you know, eyewitness accounts of it mm-hmm. and them saying it, it literally felt like being in the mouth of hell. It, yes. He um, personally helped retrieve 
belongings and sift through things and even, you know, found, helped find roommates and things. Now, it did was just he awful. have to go through counseling too? I mean, I would think very traumatic. He's still, to this day, now he's a tough man. He's been a lot. He was a chaplain with the police department. So he went to every, every bad thing that yeah. you need a chaplain for, he yeah. went. And I will say, this is the one thing that he still um, can be bothered by. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, this was so much pretty loss. Rough. Pretty rough. So much loss. Yes, pretty rough. So, um, when this happened, of course, Ron immediately tried calling Sneha, but he couldn't get through. Right, right. Which again, nobody could get. Through. Nobody could get through. Right. Nobody could get through. Had he? Is there any evidence that he tried to call Sneha before that? So he's saying, I'm annoyed that she hasn't called me. I'm annoyed she hasn't checked in. Mm -hmm. I'm checking to see if she left a voicemail. Is there any evidence that he tried to call her before this? Not that I've seen. And that I don't know that she unusual. has a cell phone at this point. She might have. When he oh. tried calling her, he may have been trying to call the apartment. Oh, okay. That probably makes more sense. Because we're going to see that that's where he heads. He heads to the oh, apartment. Okay. All right. That makes more sense. I'm sorry. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't think about her having a phone. Right. So he, she would have called from somebody else's landline, somebody else's cell phone to leave our message, which is why he didn't reach out to her. Right. Okay. It's what now I, I can, get it. I know. understand. Yes. Okay. So for hours, Ron's trying to reach her in any way he can, but obviously can't reach her. And then he was eventually able to make contact with some of her family. But they had not heard from her either. Oh, so scary. Now, keep in mind, like, to go, I have some friends who were in New York at the time, not necessarily like right where it happened. Um, but they said to get anywhere it took hours. You just could not get anywhere because traffic was backed up. Everything. I mean, like you were just you were. But Ron was able to use his medical credentials because remember, he's a he's right, a doctor, right. to catch a ride on an ambulance. To his apartment. And even this took six hours. It took six hours on an ambulance to get from his hospital to the apartment. Wow. wow. Yes. And when Ron finally made it to the apartment, the electricity in the building was out. Yeah. So he couldn't get in because the doors had automatic locks that could not be opened without oh, electricity. So internally frustrating. Exactly. And then I'm thinking. So people were trapped in. Trapped inside too. And trapped out. Trapped, yes. How terrifying. Like oh, with gosh. literally blocks, a couple blocks from you, buildings are coming down. Exactly it. And you don't know, because I remember the uncertainty mm -hmm. of what's next and thinking your building could be next or wherever you're standing next to could be next. Absolutely. Um, I was actually in attendance at Florida State University okay. when it happened. And I was in a psychology class and they came in, um, a, an administrative assistant like came in, whispered something to the professor who just said immediately class is canceled. Everyone go back to their apartments and dorms. And of course I'm wandering out being like, that was totally weird. Right. And so went back to my apartment. But one of the reasons that they wanted everyone to leave the campus is because they weren't sure any large gathering of people could be another target. Right. And they were worried any kind of university, any kind of college, any kind of large office building could be another target. Right. Yeah, nobody knew. Nobody knew. And so I imagine he's thinking these are these buildings, not only the ones that are already hit that are coming down, but we could be next. Right. All we knew is the, a plane hit and then a second plane hit 
And now a plane's going down over Washington. That's right. It was like. With the Pentagon. Yes. It yes. was, you know, just terrified because we didn't know what was next. And it felt like in, in those moments, like any nowhere was safe. It's kind of how it felt. Just yeah. kind of felt like we were all under yeah. attack, which we were. We were. <laughs> yes. So, yes, terrifying for these people who are literally stuck in a building blocks away from this catastrophe. Um, and then poor Ron, you know, finally so close, but not able to get in. So he starts running around the building, yelling for Sneha. And he was able to get the attention of one of his neighbors. So this neighbor knocked on their apartment door in the hopes that she would answer, but she didn't. So Ron spent that night at a nearby friend's house. And the next morning, he was able to get into the apartment building. They were somehow able to open the doors. And when he opened his front door, gray soot, ash, debris was everywhere. His entire apartment was covered. Uh, apparently, a window had been left open. And so it just allowed all of this to just get inside the house. Wow. It was on every surface. And then there were footprints all over the apartment from the couple's two kittens. So little kitten oh, footprints all over. But no Sneha prints. But no human prints anywhere. Yeah. And then he didn't know to look for it at the time. But it would later become important to note that there was also no Century 21 bag. Remember? Oh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So at this point, Ron was positive that Sneha had never made it home after staying out all night on September 10th. So he reported her missing. And he yeah, and the rest... Along with thousands of other missing yes. people. And it really... There are so many cases that happened like right around this time that lost so much attention because this just overwhelmed everything. And of course, that's, you know, nobody's fault. But there, there are several things if if you went missing or if anything like that happened anywhere around this time especially in new york like yeah it was kind of almost martial law yeah at that it point. was I yeah mean, yeah nobody's getting individual attention because you can't not at all you can't manage the masses right so um they did what they could and ron and the rest of her family had flyers posted all over the city but again, there were thousands of missing persons flyers posted everywhere. So, you know, it just, it was just everywhere. It's just chaos. And because Sneha had actually been missing since, since September 10th, the New York Police Department did not put her in the same category as the 9-11 victims. Okay. I mean, I can see that. Right. Right. And hopefully that would be beneficial. Well, Right, Ron, because it means she's not tied up, you know, in a possible, you know, victim of 9-11. Right, which would be good. We don't want her to have been a victim of 9-11. Right. But I guess Ron and her family kind of felt like her case just wasn't getting the same amount of attention oh. as the other known victims of the attack. Right, okay. So actually, in an attempt to get a little more attention for her case, Sneha's brother actually lied. And told the authorities that he had spoken to her on the phone on September 11th. And then he went and told reporters that, quote, I was on the phone with her and she told me she couldn't leave because people were hurt. She said, I have to help this person. And that's the last thing I heard from her. End quote. Oh, but he lied to the police. He lied. It wasn't true. 
Oh, well, that's this isn't going to help. The no, case it doesn't. Much, unfortunately. And later he would admit that he just made this interaction up in an effort to get investigators and the media as focused on Sneha's disappearance as they were on all of the terrorist attack victims. But telling this lie. Well intended. Well intended. Misguided. Yes, for sure. So meanwhile, Ron is doing everything he can to try to find Sneha on his own. So Ron called the American Express Company, and when he learned where Sneha had been on September 10th, he posted missing person flyers in other Century 21 stores all around the city. And this was actually a really good tactic because later that week, an employee who'd been working as a clerk from the lower Manhattan store but had recently been transferred to a different location had called to say that she did remember seeing Sneha on September 10th. And she knew it was Sneha as she was a regular customer. So she had a bit of a relationship with her. Yes. Now, this clerk remembered that on this particular day, when she was in the store, it appeared that Sneha may not have been alone. The clerk actually thought she saw her hanging out and talking to another woman who she believed to have been of Indian descent. Okay. So Ron obtained the security footage from Century 21, and he was able to find images of Sneha. But from what he saw on the video, he was not able to confirm that she was actually shopping with anyone else. From what he saw, it looked like she could have been alone. Now, because of these new leads, and because he didn't feel like the NYPD was really giving his wife's case the attention that it needed. And again, I don't think we can let that be a reflection on the NYPD. I mean, they were busy. <laughs> um, but Ron hired a private investigator named Ken Gallant and Ken was able to find some things, but unfortunately, as is often the case, what he found may bring up more questions than answers. Oh boy. Poor Ron. Poor Ron. So Ken found surveillance footage from the security cameras in Ron and Sneha's apartment lobby from the lobby. Okay. And on this footage at the 8:43 a.m. timestamp which is just three minutes before American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower, a woman is seen entering the apartment building and waiting by the elevator. And she waits there for a couple of minutes and then walks out the front door of the apartment building and never returns. Now, unfortunately, the sunlight was shining into the lobby. And because of the glare and the position of the camera, this light completely obscured the details of this woman. So she was only visible in silhouette, but her hair and dress were consistent with what Sneha was wearing in the Century 21 footage from the day before. And she typically would come back home between 7 and 9 a.m., putting her smack dab within her turn window. Correct. Correct. In addition to that, Sneha's family looked at this footage and they believed that this woman was using mannerisms and body language that matched Sneha's. However... This woman is not carrying any bags. If this is Sneha, this would have been the first time she would have returned to her apartment since making all of those purchases the day before. So where are those bags? If we are to believe that this woman is Sneha, she could have come into the building and waited by the elevator and then heard the commotion of the first plane hitting the tower. And this could explain why she would have walked outside. She was a physician. It's very possible that she could have run towards the tower in an effort to put her medical training to use. And if she'd been close to the towers, you know, she could have possibly later been trapped or killed. Now, if this woman was not Sneha, whoever it was has never come forward and said, hey, that's me. And the only explanation I can think of for that is this woman, whoever she is, 
didn't make it out of the attacks alive. Right. She was, yes. Right. She perished right. in 9-11. Now, what makes people question this being Sneha the most is the shopping bags, the lack thereof. Yeah, it seems a little strange. And yeah, well... Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm thinking, well, did she leave them at wherever she stayed the night before, like at a friend's house or Possibly. something? Possibly. But then wouldn't a friend have been like, hey, here's Sneha's stuff. Right. Like she was at my place. Right. Yeah. Nobody's come forward. Nobody's come forward to say, hey, she stayed with me. Right. Nobody's come forward to anything. Yeah. Okay. And there are some theories as to why that might be. Okay. How good they are, I don't know. Okay. Uh, some people speculate that because of what she purchased, a lingerie, dress, bed linens, perhaps these items were things she purchased to use with a lover and she left the bag and these items with this other person. And if she did have a lover, that might explain why they've never come forward because, you know, it was a secret affair. That's just a theory. Now, just a few months earlier, Cabrini Medical Center chose not to renew Sneha's contract with them, citing repeated tardiness and alcohol-related issues. So effectively, she was fired. Soon after this happened, Sneha went out to a bar with some of her previous co-workers, and she ended up reporting to police that one of her fellow interns had groped her while they were out. Ew. How- yes. However, the prosecutor who investigated this case did not believe Sneha. In fact, they actually dropped the sexual abuse charge against this male intern. And instead, they charged Sneha with third degree falsely reporting an incident. And Sneha was arrested. Whoa. Yes. Didn't see that coming. I know, right? Now, this officer did give Sneha an opportunity to recant her complaint with the understanding that if she did, the charges against her would be dropped. But she refused and she spent the night in jail for it. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, we've already established that Sneha enjoyed going out, spending time with her friends. But it was around this time that Sneha started spending her evenings out at gay and lesbian bars, some of which were known for attracting a bit of a rough crowd. And sometimes Sneha would leave with women that she met at these bars and then go home with them. Oh, so it's confirmed that she had, I mean, go home with them in a romantic way. Well, is the insinuation possible? We don't know. So it depends on who you ask. Because the NYPD stated that during their investigation, Sneha's own brother discovered, Sneha's own brother told them that he had discovered Sneha and his then-girlfriend having sex with each other. Whoa. Okay, that's kind of a bombshell. It is. But hold on. Don't get too... uh... Uh, Okay, there's more. (laughs) There's more. Uh, After losing her previous internship, Sneha was offered another job in internal medicine at St. Vincent's Medical Center on Staten Island. But apparently, she was having similar problems there. And she'd already been suspended for missing a meeting with a substance abuse counselor. And that suspension is why Sneha was not at work on September 10th. So she had that day off because she was having some issues at work. And then on the morning of September 10th, again, the day she went missing, before cleaning her apartment or chatting with her mom, Sneha had been in court as she was formally arraigned on that criminal charge of falsely reporting. Okay. During this hearing, she pled not guilty. According 
to New York police records. After this arraignment, Sneha and Ron fought loudly at the courthouse afterwards, and witnesses said that they were fighting about the fact that Sneha had been drinking and partying and staying out all night. And according to these witnesses, the argument ended with Sneha walking away and Ron saying he was leaving to go home and get ready for work. Okay, so... That's a lot. The plot thickens. The plot thickens, as it always does. Yes. Now, Ron and Sneha's family say that, you know what, a lot of what the New York police department has come up with is just plain not true. First, they say Sneha was not fired for being tardy and abusing alcohol, but that she was actually dismissed as a whistleblower because she'd complained about racial and sexual bias bias in the workplace. And the hospital responded saying it had no evidence of any formal complaints by her. So is the hospital telling the truth or are they trying to cover something up? Don't know. Right. Ron did admit that Sneha liked to hang out in lesbian bars, but he said that was because she was so upset by what happened with that male intern that she felt safer in lesbian bars than she did in a more co-ed environment. He said that she never had sex with any of the women she went home with, that they would just listen to music or paint or sleep. And he said that one time she she came home covered in paint after she'd gone home with a female artist. Ron said that her drinking phase was just temporary to help her through the depression she was feeling after being fired unfairly. And as for the report of Sneha having sex with her brother's girlfriend, Sneha's brother said that was completely made up and that he'd never even spoken to the detective who wrote that report. What? (laughs) Why would why would he make that up? Well, Ron and the rest of her family believe that the police were trying to make up for their early inattention to the case by following through on their initial findings that Sneha was not a victim of the terrorist attacks. Yeah, but that's, I mean, covering up for kind of bumbling a case in the beginning and completely fabricating a report. Do you think that her brother did give them the report and then her family heard about it and basically requested, demanded, insisted that he recant. I think that's definitely a possibility because they're like, how dare you smear her name? And they may not have believed it or maybe not have wanted to believe it and said, just take it back. Personally, I feel like the NYPD was probably a little too busy to be like making up stories about you know a potential victim well and again even that it doesn't solve the case it doesn't solve the case and it doesn't make anybody happy and it doesn't make anyone happy it takes the family off exactly so if if they were going to make something up i guess i would say they would attempt to make something up that would that would help them right this doesn't help them it doesn't help the case it doesn't help solve the case it doesn't make them look better i don't see a motive for it I personally have a bit of a hard time buying the whole, I met somebody while I was out, went home with them, but all we did was paint or sleep. I mean, I think that's a little, it's possible. It's totally possible. Because I meet people all the time that I'm like out and about with and like, hey, we have a lot in common. You know, we should go have lunch or something. You know, normally little old ladies or something, you know, but like still, and that's obviously 
you know, there's nothing weird about that. So is it possible that she just met somebody she clicked with and like, hey, let's go home and paint. Okay, fine. But yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's more unlikely than likely. I think so. I think it's a little strange. Yes. Um, but again, I mean, I know, you know, and, and certain cultures, it's it's very taboo you know, to, to be in same sex couples and, and things. So, you know, I can certainly see if she has a much more conservative family, her not being able to, to embrace these things or be open about these things. True. True. And that, um, that actually will come up a little bit later, uh, because generally, uh, the Indian culture is very conservative. Yes. Um, so not to say her family was I don't know, but sounds like it's, they it's are a bit possibility. More. Yes, yes. Now Ron said, on top of all of this other stuff being untrue, he said there was also never any altercation at the courthouse. So, what are the theories then? If if you know what happened to her? Well, some people speculate that Ron actually killed Sneha. Um, after this argument, possibly. And that 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 4 a.m. phone call on September 11th to Ron's cell phone uh, might be evidence to confirm this theory. Okay, how so? You're gonna have to help me on that one. <laughs> I'm not quite making the mental leap there. Oh, I mean, I do not think this is what happened at all, but some people do. So this theory suggests perhaps Ron did not stay home that night, but instead went out, presumably looking for his wife. And then while Ron was out, Sneha came home obviously saw that Ron was out and she called him. And the theory goes that when he then came home, their fight from the courthouse continued, eventually leading to Ron killing Sneha. And then he threw away her bags and her body and in her body. Yeah. I you mean, know. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. The body. But I'm like, <laughs> but what do you think of the additional steps of like, let me act like she didn't come home. Let me throw away. Even though if, she had come home mm -hmm. and she found and he found, well, no, because if she was taking these things she purchased to a lover, she wouldn't right. have brought them home in the beginning. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't I, I okay. mean, I don't think this is what happened at all. Uh, it's actually he I think it seems it's, to be a pretty devoted husband based yes. on everything that he did to try to find her. And he didn't get, you know, been out of shape when she didn't come home and stuff. You know, I mean, I, I don't know it. He this sometimes you just get feelings i guess yes. i don't know i just i agree with you i think yeah. other other scenarios are more likely much more likely um yeah if this had happened just for the sake of playing it out he would have had just over four hours from the moment that call came into his cell to the moment he had to be in his work meeting during that time he would have had to come home fight with her kill her clean up hide her body where did he hide her body? It's never been found. Like, yeah, that doesn't I make think a lot we of can sense. just kind of like yes. forget this one. Um, to your point of how he appears as a husband, he did take a month off of work to search for his wife. He hired a private investigator, and then moving out of the apartment he shared with Sneha, he stayed with Sneha's family. So this yeah, to me doesn't, doesn't seem, seem like a guy who killed his wife. No, it doesn't seem like the mark of a killer there. Right. Okay, so in 2003, Ron filed a court petition in New York County Surrogates Court to have his wife declared a victim of the 9-11 attacks. And he also filed a claim with the Victim Compensation Fund. Given Sneha's age and future earning potential, Ron should have received between 3 and $4 million. 
Ron told the courts that because she was a doctor, Sneha would have run to the nearby World Trade Center to offer aid to the victims. Sneha's mother remembered that conversation she had with her daughter saying she wanted to go, you know, visit Windows of the World at the World Trade Center. Judge Renee Roth ruled that it could not be proven that Sneha died on September 11th since the last time she was actually seen was September 10th. And so September 10th, 2004, three years to the day she went missing, was declared her legal death date per New York state law. And in his ruling, Judge Roth suggested Sneha may have intentionally disappeared or been murdered. So to understand this ruling, we do have to look at a couple of facts here. There was no physical evidence that suggested that Sneha was killed in the 9-11 attacks. However, only 60% of the victims from the World Trade Center have been identified by 2019. I was going to say there were, I mean, many people are just obliterated. I mean, there's no recovering a body or personal effects or anything. Correct. Only 60% as of 2019 yes. have been positively. So the fact that there's like literally no trace doesn't. If she was indeed there. If exactly. she, yeah, it doesn't prove anything. Um, but again, her DNA has never been found. None of her jewelry, none of her personal effects, nothing has ever been found. 60%, like just think about that for a minute. Like of the thousands of people who were lost. Like so all those sad. families just. So I mean, incredibly that's just, sad. Yeah, that's. Awful. In addition to this lack of physical evidence, there really is no proof that Sneha was ever even in the vicinity of the World Trade Center on the day of the attacks. It could not be confirmed that she was the woman in the apartment building footage. And if that wasn't her, she may not have been anywhere near the Twin Towers. Dissenting judge Bernard Malone Jr. said, quote, since it's not known where the decedent spent the night of September 10th, it requires speculation to say that her route home took her across or dangerously near the World Trade Center grounds, or that at 8.48 a.m. when the attacks began, she was even in the vicinity of the World Trade Center, end quote. Uh, yes, but no. Right. I mean, she, <laughs> she, she lived there. I mean, yeah, she practically I, lived at the yes, World Trade Center. That's exactly right. And the store that she was at was right next to the World right. Trade Center. So, I mean... The day before, but yes, yes, yes. Um, but okay, let's look at this. Why would Sneha have disappeared by choice? And the main theory for that is again going back to that alleged potential affair, specifically an affair with a woman. Typically, the Indian culture is conservative when it comes to sexuality. So again, I don't want to speak for her family because they may have been totally open. I don't know. But I can see where a woman who may have been questioning her sexuality may have struggled with coming out. And to me, honestly, that's really the only reconciliation I can find in my mind for her having disappeared on her own. Like the fact that maybe if she was in love with another woman or just knew that she liked women and she felt trapped in her current lifestyle, that's the only reason I can think of just leaving and running away but again that is like such a stretch i feel like that's a a jump and even to say well she would use 9-11 you know as her chance to escape but i mean nobody knew it was going to happen exactly i mean the terror the panic i can't imagine in that moment thinking everything my entire world is crashing and burning around me literally yes can't imagine saying you know what I'm going to call up my lover, 
we're going to get the heck out of here. This is the moment I've been waiting for. This is the moment I've been waiting for, especially with her medical training. I I just, that seems far-fetched. Very. And and she's obviously very close with her family. I mean, her, she had a two-hour impromptu chat with her mother and... You know, I just don't. That's big. That's big. You're going to literally run away from life and never talk to anybody ever again from your family or loved ones just because, like, you're afraid to come out to them. Unless it was pre-planned. Right. And it just coincidence Mm -hmm. happened. But again, I don't think that makes any sense either because here you had just, you're making these plans. You have these new plants. You have, it just doesn't sound like somebody who's getting ready to leave their husband. No. And they're kittens. Don't forget the kittens. She has I've the been kittens thinking about the kittens. Literally, since you told me about the kittens and the soot, I've been mm-hmm. thinking about the kittens yeah. and the ash. So I hope there's good news about the kittens. There's not bad news about the kittens. Okay. So. <laughs> you know what? Considering how crazy the story is, I'll I'll take that as good right. news. <laughs> good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> the people who do think this could have been possibly what happened they say that the fact that the century 21 bag was missing could um could point to this like if she was having an affair gay or straight it really doesn't matter that could explain why she made those specific purchases and why she didn't bring them home so hence no bag you know i know but i mean she didn't purchase enough for a whole like getaway no no and three pairs of shoes. I don't know. And yeah. It just it doesn't. That bag really baffles people, though. That bag is like a cornerstone of this case. People are just. I think it's totally possible that she spent the night with like a friend on September a tenth and left her bag. I mean, yeah, I do. Like, I don't. I don't know that I would hang someone's, you know, conviction or acquittal on this Century 21 bag. Right. Yeah. That maybe she was going to go do errands that day. She didn't want to carry a bag around all day. Well, yeah. And three pairs of shoes, sheets. Those are big bags. Yeah. Or it could even been, I'm going to go back and check on the kittens real quick. And then I'm going to come back and visit you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the bag, a lot of people like get really hung up on that bag. And it is interesting for sure. Um, because if she did come back on September 11th, that morning of, if that was her, why not? You're coming back to your house. Why not bring the bags, drop them off, and then go back and do whatever you're doing? But still. Maybe she just forgot the exactly. bag. I've done absent-minded things like that, too. Every day. Or, like, I've been out partying and maybe been with this new lover. I'm just a little excited. I, whatever it is. Every day. Yeah. And you just... Either you gave someone else the bag. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were gifts for someone else. Anything. Some people say, could they have been wedding gifts for her friend? But again, that wouldn't explain why. Well, you wouldn't have you given them to them, them like unwrapped. Yeah. yeah. Or, or months early. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, a lot of people get really upset about the the missing bag. There was also, you know, we, we talked about no evidence to support that she was a victim of the attacks. There's also no evidence to support that she ran away. Her computer hard drive was searched. There's no searches for any places to live, any kind of tips on how to disappear. No evidence whatsoever that she was making these plans. Her glasses, passport, driver's license, and credit cards, all except for the ones she used shopping uh, at Century 21, they were all left behind. Now, Ron kept this credit card line open in case it was ever used again, but it was not. Since Ron could not provide a death certificate with September 11, 2001 on it as the date of death, the Victim Compensation Fund denied his claim. 
Now, her family appealed these rulings and compared her case to other similar cases. On January 31st, 2008, a five-judge panel reversed Judge Roth's decision and ruled that Sneha died trying to help people at the World Trade Center. They believed it was highly likely that Sneha died at ground zero, and if she died any other way, her body would have turned up. Sneha was officially declared the 2,751st victim of the Twin Towers collapse. Now, this decision leaves only one missing person whose possible death at the World Trade Center is unresolved. Now, since the victim's fund had made all of its payments and closed in 2003, Ron did not receive any money. However, Sneha's name was added to the official memorial of the victims. Her family buried an urn full of ashes from Ground Zero at a cemetery near their home. No physical remains have ever been found for over a thousand victims of the attacks of the World Trade Center. But Sneha's family is hoping that eventually some of the jewelry that she was believed to have been wearing at the time of the attacks will be recovered and matched to the photos her family has provided. At the National September 11th Memorial, Sneha and Philip is memorialized at the South Pole on Panel S66. Sneha was 5 feet 6 inches, 115 pounds, and had a mole on her left cheek. She was last seen wearing a short-sleeved brown shirt dress with buttons down the front. She was wearing sandals and a black and gold beaded necklace with a cross pendant. She also typically wore a gold solitaire diamond engagement ring and a gold wedding band with small inset diamonds and flower-shaped diamond stud earrings. I'm going to leave you with one final thought. Have you ever heard of the website called Post Secret? No. Okay. So it's this website where people can anonymously send in their deepest secrets. Oh, is this like a dark web kind of thing? Honestly, I didn't check it out because I was a little afraid to check it out. <laughs> okay, it's totally fine. <laughs> so there was a postcard that was mailed to this site. Mailed to this place and posted on this site. And on this postcard is what looks like a black and white or maybe like a sepia sketch of the Twin Towers burning. And above the picture are the words, quote, everyone who knew me before 9-11 believes I'm dead, end quote. Okay. Many people believe that this postcard could be from Sneha. Is there like a handwriting analysis or something? I don't know. And again, I mean, I'm sure this is in like the deep, dark, like filing cabinet of this What's the website called again? Post Secret. Post Secret. Ooh, that's kind of ominous. I know. Even, I mean, whether it's from her or not from her, that's so I, creepy. Whoever it's from. Whoever it's from. Because that means any one of the 25, 2600 people who are known victims of 9-11, if this is to be believed, one of them is not. But did use it as an opportunity to run away from their life. Potentially. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Which is not 
I mean, if say you were in like an abusive relationship or something sure. or something like that, like there are people who probably could be like, this is my moment. This is my moment to get out. Yeah. I don't know that Sneha was that person. I don't know that it was her again with no evidence of, you know, anything on her computer and, you know, just it didn't seem like she was prepping to leave that day. No. Um, But having what I would assume is the secret love life. You know, I mean, it does make you pause a little bit. But again, it doesn't seem like Ron was in any way like he was just like, no, nothing going on. Like he was totally believing that there was nothing going on. So it's not like he was threatening to divorce her or leave her or anything like that. Right. It sounds to me like she was going through some stuff. Yeah. Um. But hello, we all go through stuff. We don't fake our own death or, you know. Um. I think that was her in the apartment building. And I think, because if, here's the other thing. If it wasn't her standing there, say it was some other woman who then ultimately was killed, you know, in the attacks. Um, why hasn't that person's family come forth and been like, no, this is, you know, because this is a pretty widely reported case. Like, and if you actually lost someone in this, I'm sure you would probably be even more familiar with like all the different various cases. Um, so I mean, I it's think a it really, her. it's a really interesting case. I think that's the most likely scenario, but who knows? Maybe she met her demise at one of these, um, you know, one of these bars. You said they attracted a bad crowd. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's what happened. Right. Because it is weird that she didn't come home on September 10th and not call him. Because he I even agree. said, it's not that, it's not that she didn't come home. That's, that's can uh -huh. be typical. Yeah. But the, her not coming home and not letting me know she wasn't coming home. That's the weird part. I agree. And so the fact that, you know, she didn't let him know, um, is, you know, kind of bizarre. But like you said, maybe something happened to her then, but then nobody's ever found her body, which depending yeah, on where it was I left, mean, maybe it was left somewhere that ultimately ended up getting. Exactly. You know, that was demolished by 9-11 yeah. and whoever it was that, that mm -hmm. did do something yeah. sinister to her. Right. Somehow they got lucky. Right. Right. You know. So that's the case of Sneha Phillips. I, I, I choose to believe that she's a 9-11 hero yeah. and that she went to help and I really like the, I like the imagery of them, you know, burying the urn with the ashes of 9-11. Yeah. I feel like that's a really beautiful, symbolic way to let her family be more at peace. Yes. You know, even if that's not what happened. Right. I like that that has given them some peace. Right. And adding her name to the list because I cannot imagine being her in her family's situation where they lose their loved one. They're being told, oh, she just ran away from you. Yes. Um, and you strongly believe she was killed in these terrorist attacks, but you don't get to honor her in that way. Like right. in a, you know, you don't get the, I don't even know the. Well, no, I mean, I think there is something about that to, you know, to know that your, your child died trying to help other people mm -hmm. is I, I mean you know no one wants to lose a child under any circumstances sure. but to say my child died trying to help other people versus my daughter died because she hung out with a bad crowd at a, a gay bar 
Right. I mean, or went home with a stranger. Or went home or, with a stranger. That's right. not to say that the gay bar was, you know, is a bad place. But again, the way this one particular one was described with, with, and, and it's not even at the gay bar. It's just anywhere where there are just ne'er do wells. Right. You know, right. or and, to say, almost act like it was her behavior. Who her behavior. That, you said it much more eloquently. <laughs> this is definitely not like her. Well, she should have been in a different place. This isn't in any way right. victim shame. But again, it's to say, you know, to to imagine your, you know, imagine her for her last moments being that of of trying to help other people versus her being somewhere just the wrong place at the wrong time. time. Yeah, yeah, for you know. sure. Yeah, I I'm thankful that she finally got listed and honored. Yes, honored. And um, it is sad that they didn't get any of the fund because you know they were probably entitled to that as well. And that I didn't realize that that like paid out. I guess so quickly and that like oh if you're not I don't on the think list I realized time, the amount. Well, I think hers. Me neither because I'm like oh that's a lot of money. Um, I don't know if that. Well, I guess it is probably based on like age and earning potential and yeah. she was a doctor yeah and she was a young doctor so yeah. you know they would have factored in probably you know many years of a pretty good income so i think that victims fund was such a a wonderful um help to sure. a lot of people especially a lot of the first responders and things that lost their lives and you know helping their families and um what a wonderful thing yes you know that the government was able to do to to help people that were just going about their daily lives or as we've said been heroes right and i actually um so i mentioned my dad's in law enforcement and he had a, a friend who actually was a new york firefighter who actually got trapped in the buildings but was able to make it out and saved many people along the ways but for hours was trapped in the buildings as it like came down around him wow. and he miraculously was able to make it out um, and kept going back in and pulling more people out. And um, and that is just, I get chills right now just even thinking Absolutely. about like people who like, you know, my husband's a police officer. I cannot imagine knowing that this was going on and knowing that he's got to run into that. That's right. And so many people did. Just yeah. so many people just, including probably Sneha. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think you're probably it's a beautiful, right. Beautiful way to remember her. Absolutely. Okay. Well, um, hopefully we find out more. Hopefully more information comes out. And um, yeah, I I hope I hope it does point to her, you know, having died a hero. Yes, absolutely. All right, Cynthia, take it away. Join us next week for more thrills and chills. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been a Just Us Gals production with artwork by Justice Holmes 
and music by Ryan Creek.